This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. We are in week two of our study in the book of Habakkuk, and the title of the series is Why Must We Wait? Why Must Sorry, the title of the series is not why I'm so wait. The title of the, of the series is Where is God When Life Goes Wrong? Where is God when life goes wrong? How many of you have lived long enough to understand that sometimes life goes wrong? Raise your hand if you've lived long enough to understand that. If you understand that everything doesn't always work out exactly the way that you think it ought to work out. I've been there. How many of you have a little bit of a control freak in you? Yeah, there we go. About to have an altar call. I know some of y'all because I'm tight with y'all and I know we've talked about it. But you know, sometimes life doesn't work out. Um, and by the way, let me say this, any, any gospel, any Christianity that wants to sell you on the fact that if you give Jesus your heart and your, and your life, that everything's going to work out just fine all the time, that is not a true gospel. In fact, those that live godly in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, will suffer persecution. So I would actually flip it on the other side and say, if you were living a Christian life and you were void of any type of persecution or any type of tension or any type of doubt or any type of struggle, that you might want to recheck. Because those that are living godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The book of Habakkuk was written approximately 600 years before Jesus was born. Habakkuk was a prophet to the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom had already been destroyed. And he was a prophet to the southern kingdom, just two and a half tribes there of the children of Israel. And he looks around at his nation, and last week's sermon was, I wonder where God is. He looks around at what's going on around him, and he says, basically, God, what are you doing? Where are you? Because you are supposed to be good, and I'm looking around and everything is bad. And, and Habakkuk went through a list of things, and we're not going to re-preach it. But Habakkuk went through a list of things. God, there's injustice. God, there's, and by the way, 2019, we could go through the same list. There's oppression. There's injustice. God, the things that should be right are wrong, and the things that should be wrong are right. Boy, that's, that's sounding a whole lot like today. And Habakkuk basically cries out to God, I wonder where you are. A key to understanding this book we mentioned last Sunday is understanding what the name Habakkuk truly means. If you look up the name Habakkuk, the first and most obvious uh, meaning of his name is going to be to embrace. And that's wonderful. Um, To embrace. He was a prophet, so his name means to embrace. But there's a secondary meaning if you really look at what that word entails. And it also has a connotation to it to wrestle. So Habakkuk is a prophet. Instead of speaking to the people on behalf of God, he goes to God on behalf of the people. 
And he says, basically, God, in my name, I want to embrace you. I want to have the faith and the belief. But God, I'll be honest with you, there's some things I'm wrestling with. And God, I want to believe, but I'm wrestling. God, I want to believe you in this moment, but I'm doubting. God, I want to believe you this morning, but I'm a little skeptical. And he was firmly in that position. And we mentioned last week that God is big enough for your questions. And God is big enough for your doubts. And God can handle your skepticism. It's okay. We said that God's answers are not always what we think they're going to be. Habakkuk bears his soul to God. And God says, okay, here's my answer, Habakkuk. I'm about to do something that's going to amaze you. People are not going to, they're not going to be able to explain what I'm about to do. And Habakkuk's like, all right, God, let's do it. Fix everything. Here you go. You can do it. You're almighty. You're powerful. I embrace you. I embrace you. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it, God, please. And and God says, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, and I'm going to make them a mighty nation. That's their enemies. Okay, God, I'm trying to embrace, but you're going to raise up our enemies. Now I'm back. I'm wrestling again. What are you doing? What are you doing? And we mentioned, we closed last week with saying God doesn't always answer in the way that we think he ought to answer. He doesn't always do that. So last week we wondered where God was. This week we're going to take a look at why must we wait. Why must we wait? If you want to look at it very simply, last week we were wondering. This week we're going to be waiting. We're going to be waiting. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. Remove anything that I would say that would pull away from what your word wants to shine through. I pray we would leave here today with a better understanding of this book and a better application for our lives as we go through difficulties and we go through times in our life when we question everything. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Number one today, I want us to see this simply. The questions uh, continue. The questions continue. We're in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, and verse 12. says this, Are you not from everlasting? O Lord my God, my Holy One, Habakkuk says, We shall not die. O Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. O Rock, you have marked them for correction. You are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do, you, uh, why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he? Why do you make men like fish of the sea, like creeping things that have no ruler over them? They take up all of them with a hook. They catch them in their net and gather them in their dragnet. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Therefore, they sacrifice to their net and burn incense to their dragnet because by them their share is sumptuous and their food plentiful. Shall they therefore empty their net and continue to slay nations without pity? Man, Habakkuk goes straight back in at God with some pretty hardcore questions and some pretty harsh language. He basically tries to remind God of his character. You have marked them, God, for corrections. You are purer than this. God, you're a holier God than this. Why would you prosper the wicked city and the wicked nation of Babylon? God, why would you do this? Why would you look on those who deal treacherously, the Babylonians, and hold your tongue when they devour a person that's more righteous than they are? 
Why would you let this happen, God? And Habakkuk finds himself asking that question that we find ourselves often asking God. Why? Why? Kind of like a toddler. Hey, I need you to go put your, clean up your room. Why? Because you're not an animal. Why? Well, because you're different than an animal. You're my child. Well, why? Well, mommy and daddy, no, we won't go there. But anyway, uh, but, um, <laughs> but it always ends up back there. Somehow you're my kid and this is how, just you're my kid, right? But Habakkuk is struggling here in these verses. And I want you to understand the statement. Habakkuk is struggling to reconcile his theology of God, of who God is in his character. Are you good or not? He is struggling to reconcile his theology of God with the declaration of God that he has just received. God, I know you're good. God, I know you're, you're loving. God, I know you. I, I'm a prophet. I know you. But God, what you've just declared to happen, I can't, I can't quite reconcile it. And I don't know if you've been there in your life. God, I know you're a good God. So why would you let this come into my life? God, I know that you love me, but why would you let that person get that diagnosis that I love so much? Hey, God, I know that you love me, but why would you let this happen to my kids? God, I love you. Why would you let this happen to my relationship? I don't know if you've ever, I've been there. God, I know you're good, but I'm struggling right now to, to see it. God, I know you're good, but I'm having an issue right now comprehending it in my life. And Habakkuk basically says in a nutshell, God, this doesn't sound like you. This doesn't sound like the God that I know. God, you literally said you're going to prosper our enemies and bring judgment upon our nation. The northern kingdom's already been destroyed, God. There's only two and a half tribes left in the southern kingdom, and you're going to basically let them destroy us. And more so than a doubt, this is more of a theological wrestle of God you say you're good and there's verses in scripture that say you're good but right now you don't feel so good and that's really what Habakkuk was going through God if you are truly the God who loves why would you allow something like this and so God answers secondly I want us to see God's challenging answer God's challenging answer in Habakkuk Uh, to the first four verses. The first verse is actually Habakkuk speaking. Habakkuk says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. (laughs) Like real quick, can I just shoot like real bottom shelf with you? Let me give you like 2019 Josh language of what he's saying. It's basically saying, okay, God, I realize what I just said to you. I realize how bad I just questioned you and what I, I basically accused you of some things. So I'm going to sit patiently and I'm going to wait and hear what you say back to me. And he says this, and I'm going to answer you when I am corrected. <laughs> basically, Habakkuk says, listen, God, I know I just went there and you're about to correct me. So I'm going to stand patiently while you correct me. Don't you wish some of your kids were like that? Like mom, dad. I know I just did this, and I know I shouldn't have it, so I'm going to wait patiently right here in my room while you come and correct me, right? I wish our kids would act that way, but Habakkuk the prophet says, and this is what, look at verse 2, 
This is what the Lord answers. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. And then God proceeds in the following verses, beginning in verse 5 and moving further down through the end of this chapter. The little subheading in my Bible says, Woe to the wicked. God begins, and we're, we're going to cover this at the end. God begins to say, hey, in case you doubted where I stand on the wicked, let me tell you where I stand on the wicked. And he, he goes completely off on them. Woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed, who establishes a city by iniquity. Woe to him who gives his, gives his neighbor to drink. Woe to him who covets evil to gain for his house. But God proceeds to tell Habakkuk three things in these first four verses of this chapter. And I want us to notice them. The first thing he says is to listen. And I'm gathering this from the first verse. Habakkuk says, I'm going to stand my watch and I'm going to set myself on the rampart. And I'm going to watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Habakkuk begins with a commitment to watch and hear and listen and see what God is going to say. And let me say this so often, I, like Habakkuk, and I, like you, like to tell God how he ought to operate. God, here's the problem, and here's the remedy. Fix it. God, this is what's going on, and this is what you can do to fix it, and we got about five days for you to make it happen. Let's do it. So God, not only do I not believe that you already know my problems, I also don't believe that you know the solutions to my problems. So I am all-knowing, and I'm going to tell you how you ought to operate. The fact is this, if you're having problems in your faith, if you're having doubts, if you're having skepticism in your faith this morning, you need to commit to doing this first thing, and that is to watch and see what God will say to you. Just quiet your spirit and listen. Quiet yourself and listen. We have so much going on in our world, so, many, so much loudness going on in our culture, in our world, in our minds, in our spirit, and our soul is being bombarded with loudness. That the first thing we need to do when we're in a series of doubt and we're in a series of difficulty in our faith is we need to shut up for Jesus. Literally. Shut up for Jesus so that he can begin speaking to us. We need to listen. We need to listen. We need to listen. In order to keep ourselves encouraged during times of waiting, during times of doubt, during times where our faith has been shaken, we must remember this statement. God's silence does not equal God's absence. God's silence does not equal God's absence. <clears throat> You see, God didn't tell Habakkuk ahead of time. And by the way, God doesn't owe it to you. But God's silence 
does not equal his absence. Just because God is not screaming in your ear does not mean he is not ever present. So the first thing that God tells, or the first step that Habakkuk took was to listen. But listen, notice what God tells him to do next. Verse 2, he says to document. Verse 2 said, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. And I'll just say this. This is a little bit of a unique point this morning, but I believe it's, it's worthy of your consideration. And I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but God tells Habakkuk to begin documenting, to, be, to begin writing some things down. Some things that maybe that God is saying to him or, or teaching him, some things that he's about to say. He says, Habakkuk, write these things down. And let me say this, if you find yourself in a crisis of belief, we spoke about that last week on our whiteboard. Uh, if you find yourself in that time where your faith is being uh, shaken, let me encourage you or suggest to you to begin documenting or journaling the instances where you feel God is actually speaking to you. Even if they're not positive, even if they're not good, can I encourage you to document? Hey, listen, I'm in a crisis of my faith right now. My world is shaking right now. I don't know what's going on. But you know, the other day I got up and I prayed. And you know what? God spoke to me. And you know, this is what he said that day. Hey, I was at work and the situation happened at work. And you know what? God, God showed himself real in that situation. Hey, I prayed for something to happen, and he answered that prayer. And begin to document it. You may do it in, your, in a nice, fluffy little journal. You may do it in your phone, in your notes app. You may use another, a separate app, whatever you may use. But I would encourage you to document. To document what God does. I've started doing this when I read books. I don't know about you, but I try to read as much as I possibly can. And oftentimes when I read, I get done with a book, and I'm like, man, that was a great book. But there were some specific things in that book that could probably help me later on. And I never, I'm, I'm never probably going to go back and try to find those things again. So what I've started doing when I read a book is I'll create a note about that book, and I will document the, the quotes in that book that I think would help me later and the page number. So that I can go back and say, yeah, I think it was in that book that I read. Let me go back through my notes on that book, and let me because I documented when it spoke to me. Hey, maybe what we need, and this is super practical, guys. Super practical. Maybe what we need to do is start documenting when we know God is working in our lives so that when we get in these times of severe doubt, we can look back and say, no, 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 listen, God spoke to me here. God brought me through here. God did this. I remember this. This was, this was last year at this time. Or this was six months ago at this time. God brought me through. We need to start documenting. He says, write it down Habakkuk write down what I'm going to say write down when I speak to you so listen and then document and then this is the crux of the message this morning thirdly he says wait wait look at verse 3 for the vision is yet for an appointed time at the end it will speak and it will not lie though it tarries Wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. God says, I'm about to unload the truck from verses 5 to the end of the chapter on the wicked. But let me just say, it's not going to happen immediately. Wait. This vision I'm about to give you is for an appointed time. You've got to wait for it. You've got to wait for it. And can I just say this? 
I absolutely hate waiting. Anybody here with me? I hate waiting. Listen, even if Chick-fil-A's food was horrible, I would still eat there a lot. You know why? Because I don't have to wait. Because the Chick-fil-A on Roxbury Road has put through 250 cars in their drive-thru in one hour. I don't care if you're serving me like liver. If I can get through it like that, I'm good. Like, just throw me whatever. You've seen those uh, memes about Chick-fil-A. If your order is wrong at Chick-fil-A, the order wasn't wrong. That is what God had for you to eat at that time. That's just what it was. Your order was never wrong at Chick-fil-A. That's, that's God's chicken, all right? Don't mess with it. But I hate waiting. I hate waiting. I despise it. Oh, man, uh, such and such a movie's coming out. I really want to see it. I hate waiting. We have everything right now at our fingertips, right? We don't have to wait for hardly anything. Our kids don't know what it's like to wait for it to come out of Blockbuster. <laughs> shout out, shout out. All right, we, know, we have some former Blockbuster employees here. Our kids don't understand that. Our kids don't know what it's like to not be able to say, oh, let's, can we just download it? Oh, that new CD's coming out. You know, for me, like back in the day, like, you know, that new Boys to Men CD is coming out. Two, the two album. Like, you got to go wait. I got to go wait. I got well, for me, my parents didn't let me listen to, uh, to secular music. So I got to figure out how to sneak it. So anyway, I had a different childhood than y'all, man. I'm telling you. Anyway, I had to figure out a way to sneak it. But I had to, go, I had to wait for that thing to come out on CD, and I had to burn it on another CD so it looked like I didn't have the Boys to Men CD so my parents wouldn't get mad at me because they sang songs about, cover your ears, making love. All right, and my parents didn't, I didn't need that, I didn't need that in my life as a 13, 14-year-old kid, evidently. But you remember, like, the CD's coming out, so you got to go to, what was it, like, FYE? Was that one of them? There were other music stores that I, I can't even remember at this point. And so we would have to go to those stores, and we'd have to wait in line, and you'd get that new CD that came out. We, we don't even understand what waiting is anymore. Everything we need, we have at our fingertips. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I got this check, and I need to cash it. The bank, oh no, it's Saturday morning. Oh my goodness, the bank doesn't open until Monday at 9. Well, now it's like, pull your phone out, scan the check, rip it up and throw it away. You're good. We don't have to wait for anything. And we live in a society that doesn't like to wait. Doesn't like to wait. But God tells Habakkuk, during your faith journey, during this crisis of belief, during this time where I'm going to take you through the valley and the Babylonians are going to be prosperous. During this time of struggle, he says to Habakkuk, I need you to wait. Wait. I've got judgment coming for them. It's coming. But right now, I need you to wait. And by the way, this didn't go on for a weekend. This waiting was for decades. Okay, this waiting was for decades. This morning, I don't know what situation you're in that God has you waiting. And I wish I could tell you that waiting meant like next week. I wish it meant waiting meant next year, but I can't tell you that. God could take you through an extended time of waiting. And can I be really frank with you? God could take you through the rest of your life of waiting. And the, and the time when it gets better is when you're glorified with Him in heaven. And I... 
I know this isn't a lovey-dovey. I've heard a pastor call it a sitcom sermon. This isn't a sitcom sermon where I present a problem at the beginning, it's really funny, and then I give you the solution at the end and we all laugh and the credits roll. This is not one of those sermons. This is real life. That God has you wait and God had a backup wait. And if you're in a season this morning of waiting, God is with you in your waiting. God is with you in your waiting. I want to give you three thoughts on waiting as we close. Number one, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is patiently wait until God moves. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is to chill. We're fixers. We have answers. Habakkuk did. Habakkuk, God, here's the problem. Here's how you need to fix it. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is wait and let God move. Is wait. Sometimes the most spiritual thing is not to say, I'm going to serve here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to volunteer here. I'm going to do that because, God, I want to show you that I'm for real. Pick myself up on my bootstraps. I can do this. No, sometimes you need to relax. You need to wait and let God move in your life. Secondly, thought on waiting as we close. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. Life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You say, yeah, but we don't know the day or the hour. Yeah, you're right. But life's still a marathon. It's not a sprint. Be patient. Be patient. If God has you in a season of waiting, it's okay. There's a, there's, listen, I am no expert on marathons. I'm not sure if you could tell that by looking at me. I've never run one. I'll drive a marathon, 26.2 miles. I've got you there. But um, I'm not running it. I'm no expert on marathons. But I know when you're at mile 13.1, you were only halfway through. It's a long half waiting to go. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. Wherever you are in your stage of life, realize God's got more time for you. And just relax and wait on him to take you through this season in your life. Wait for him. And then thirdly, while we wait, God is at work. While we wait, God is at work. God spent the next... 16 verses, well, 15, explaining to Habakkuk that I am still a God of justice. I am still a God who is going to see the sin of the Babylonians, and I will judge that sin. Okay, and by the way, 600 years later, and God didn't reveal this to Habakkuk, 600 years later, there was a baby that was going to be born in Bethlehem, and his name was Jesus, and he was going to take care of all of this. Okay, 600 years later, that's what was coming. This was, part of the, this was part of the process of ushering in the Messiah. But God began working. And he, he 
told Habakkuk that he was going to begin working. And he ends it with verse 20 in Habakkuk chapter 2. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. It says this, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. He basically says, Habakkuk, I'm still in charge. I'm still at work. Just be quiet. Just wait. Just wait. And I want to encourage you today. If you're in a season of waiting. Maybe you're asking the question, will my relationship ever mend? Will my wayward son or my wayward daughter ever come back to their faith in God? Will my financial situation ever get better? Will God ever truly reveal himself in my life? Will I ever really experience... Would I see other people experience a genuine, real relationship with Jesus? All these questions. Will that friendship that has been fractured ever be mended? Will I ever speak to that family member again? Are you in a season of waiting? Last week our word was wondering. This week our word was waiting. Can I give you a preview to next week? Well, actually, next week's Mother's Day. I'm preaching a Mother's Day sermon. The week after that, two weeks from today, we're coming back to Habakkuk. If you're in a season of waiting, you know what Habakkuk spends chapter 3 doing? Worshiping. Worshiping. That was alliterated from before the dawn of ages right there. We're wondering. We're waiting. There will be a season. There will be a season coming, whether in this life or in the next life, where we will be through our season of waiting and we'll be in a season, a season of, of worship, of worship. Can I encourage you this morning? Don't stop waiting. Don't stop waiting. Don't give up on your faith because the answer hasn't come as quickly as you thought it should come. Don't give up on your faith because you have viewed God's silence as God's absence. Don't give up on your faith. There is a better day coming, and I wish that I could tell you that those better days are going to be in the very near future. I don't know that. I do know this. The worst thing that can happen to you and the worst thing that can happen to me is that I leave this earth and go to spend eternity with my Heavenly Father. If, if, if you're a born-again Christian. That's the worst thing that can happen. At the end of the day, that's the worst thing that can happen. We got a little boy in our church. I won't even say who he is. And I hope his parents are cool with me giving this illustration. Who uh, he's, he's young and he's swimming. He's a, summertime's coming up. He's a little kid. And his, his sister's a theologian, evidently. And uh, she has explained to him that if you believe in Jesus, you're going to go to heaven. Amen. Right? That's awesome. So she has not only convinced him of that, but she has made him fearless because of that. Daddy, I know I can't swim good, but the worst thing that can happen is I die and go to heaven. And so I was talking to one of the parents, and we were kind of joking about it, laughing about it. And, you know, I said, man... That's probably teaching me something. 
You know, at the end of the day, the faith of a child, hey, you know what? Cool, I don't know how to swim. Now there's some wisdom there that we need. And, and obviously we're walking through that. But hey, at the end of the day, the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to see my Savior. And in your season of waiting, can I share this with you? The worst thing that could happen in your wait is that God takes you to be with him. And you get to worship him from eternity to eternity, from eternity to eternity. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. So if you're in a season of waiting, I'm not even going to tell you to hold on. Just let Jesus hold on to you. Just let him embrace you. Keep wrestling, Habakkuk. Keep wrestling. Keep embracing. And just keep going. Don't give up in your waiting. Heavenly Father, we love you today. And God, we do go through seasons of our lives when we, when we have to wait. God, Habakkuk and the children, I mean, the, the people of Judah, we're going to have to wait a long time to see the justice that they rightfully deserved. They were going to have to wait. And God, today we may be in a season in our faith where we're in a waiting season. And God, I pray that this morning we were encouraged in our waiting to understand that you work during our wait. To understand that life is a marathon. It's, it's not a sprint. And God, I'm waiting. We're waiting here for you. And God, we know, we've read the last chapter of the book. God, we know what happens at the end of this story. And we know what happens at the end of this story is that you win and that we're glorified and you get all the glory. And God, at the end of the day, we rest in knowing that you win. God, we wait in knowing that you win. God, give us the patience. God, give us the attitude and the spirit that we need as we walk through our faith journey and we go through a season of waiting on you. If you're here today, and you're struggling and in one of those seasons of doubt. Maybe you're in a specific season of waiting on God to move in your life. I want to encourage you that he loves you. He's here for you. He cares deeply about you. The Bible says that he has the numbers of hairs on your head numbered. He knows. He cares intimately about you. He cares more about you than you ever will imagine. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.